G'day, 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 and welcome to episode 9 of the Average Man Podcast, Californication. So today is Monday the 6th of August, um, she's a public holiday, and um, well, Monday the 6th of August, so that means we've got the Northwest Fest coming soon. Northwest Fest will be on the 25th and 26th of August um, at the Civic Centre Gardens here in Port Hedland. So that is coming along quickly, man. Um, and as we know from previous podcasts, and then anyone around town is probably starting to see the, the um, posters and shit up, and, and their uh, f- social media presence is sort, sort of coming on a little bit stronger now. So Saturday will be Blissonesso, Hands Like Houses, Shepherd, and Abbey May. Um, and the Sunday, which is the Sundowner, will be Sam Perry, um, the winner of The Voice, Carla Geneve, who's a Triple J Unearthed artist, singer-songwriter, and then some local artists. I'm not sure. I think they're still to be announced. I'll get on to uh, Brad about that this week and see if we can um, tee up a, an interview with someone because it's going to have to be in the next week or two. It's going to have to be next week, really. So I'll get on to him this week and see what's going on, see if I can't get someone on next week, next weekend and have a chat to them. Um, yeah, man, and pretty surprised with the prices for these too. The, uh, the Saturday is only $50, so, you know, you've got one, two, three, four bands, mate, and Bliss and Esso. Like, I'd pay 50 bucks just to see Bliss and Esso on their own. So $50, $50 for the Saturday, uh, $30 for the Sunday, Sundowner, and I think you can bring your kids and shit along to that one. I'm pretty sure you can. We're going to. So, and, and or... Um, yeah, seventy dollars for both days. So that's pretty damn good, man. Pretty pretty good price. You're paying ridiculous amounts for music festivals everywhere else around the country right now. So seventy dollars for two days, bunch of good bands. Um, pretty pretty pumped about that, man. We've got our um, our babysitter sorted out for the Saturday, and like I said, we'll take the kids along on the uh, on the Sunday. So yeah, pretty pretty pumped, man. Going to get the tickets sorted out this week. So I would advise anyone else in town who's thinking of going, yeah, get them sorted, man. Get down there, show some show some support for the event so they keep coming back and we keep getting the Northwest Fest here each year. And, and if you, you know, the, the more tickets they sell and the bigger the event is, that means the more resources they can pull into it next year. So get down there and check it out, man. That is, of course, sort of um, booked and um, I guess you'd say sponsored by, well, I think it's sponsored by BHP, but I know involved in it is PCC who I'll also give shout-outs to on this podcast. So he's going to he, – uh, PCC, Brad, hold it down there. And the, and the guys, they, they'll they um, be doing this uh, – I'm assuming doing the sound desk. They'll be hiring out the equipment to the, the bands and shit like that and helping with setup and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, as I said, I've been doing shout-outs to, to Brad and, and the boys down at PCC. So PCC Productions are the audiovisual specialists servicing the Pilbara, whether it's rehearsal space, recording studio, equipment hire, or events production that you're after, PCC has you covered. Find them on Facebook, get in touch, and Brad and the team will be more than happy to help you. While I'm at it, shout-outs also to Two-Way Hire Services. They're a Perth-based company producing two-way radio equipment and services. Uh, they're more than happy to service you and your business up here in the Pilbara to help meet your communication requirements. Two-way hire services are a small business willing to do the small things that matter. Get hold of them on Instagram or Facebook, mention the podcast, and Ross and the team will be sure to look after you. Uh, also, I'm going to shout out to the boys from Shafted Spearfishing, my mate Lukey and Zam. Uh, those boys, again, are on Instagram and Facebook. Get out, get onto their Instagram page, check it out, man. Zam does 
awesome, awesome like photography and videos. You know, he does drone videos, um, GoPro videos. Uh, they got good underwater footage. He's really good at editing videos and stuff, man. So get on there and check it out. And then you might want to just link into his page and follow him as well because he does a fair bit of traveling and makes some cool little uh, videos and shit uh, as he goes. Really, really good, man. There's Zam. There's another guy in town. There's a few people in town, but another guy that I follow, um, Carlis, captured by Carlis. He's another photographer and does little videos and shit as well. Um, and these guys, man, like Zam talking about you know, on the the um, subject of shaft and spear fishing, just amazing what dudes can do these days with the technology. Uh, obviously, he's got a passion for it and a knack, but just getting out there and doing the work himself, man. Like I. I Back in the day, people used to do courses, spend thousands of dollars and all this time and months doing these courses and using this high-tech equipment to make these kind of videos, cut and edit and all this kind of shit, and it was kind of a restricted area that only, you know, you really had to put all that time, effort and money into to be able to produce this kind of things. But go check out Zam and their, their Instagram page, the Shaft of Spearfishing Instagram page and Zam's page on his own, and really you'll, you'll see what you can do now with a bit of equipment, drone, GoPro, a bit of editing, you know, online editing equipment, and, and what you can do, man, if you've got a passion for it, a bit of a knack, put the time in. He dude makes awesome, awesome videos, man. I love following him, following him on there, um, following him on there, and I, I probably should have given these boys a shout-out um, a little while ago, but... Get on there, man. And if you're a local around Headland, they got merchandise you can buy off their Instagram or Facebook pages, man. Buy a shirt or some stickers to whack on your car or your ute, whatever. And yeah, show some support for a local team, a local local spearfishing crew, mate. These guys are, um, yeah, they're, like I said, they're local boys, uh, both born and bred, and um, they're doing some really cool shit, man. They've got a great page. So go check it out. Uh, moving on from that. Today, you might hear I've got a little bit of a sniffle going on. I'm going to try not to cough and, and clear the sinuses and shit while I'm while I'm talking. I've had like um, I've had bronchitis. I think that's self-diagnosed. Just got to say that straight off the bat. But my daughter was diagnosed with bronchitis, infected bronchitis, and conjunctivitis last week Thursday. I think Wednesday or Thursday last week. So she's been crook, and I've had the same shit as her, same symptoms, man. So I've been hanging around for a couple of weeks. It got real bad this week. Um, so I just kind of um, pushed through at work, but the, the M's, my missus had to have a couple of days off with, with Heidi, our daughter, um, Thursday and Friday, and then I've just basically hung out with both of us, and I've just hung out with her all, all weekend. She's just been spiking temperatures and shit like that, and I've got a bit of the same thing going on. Feeling heaps better today, but it's just the sinuses uh, are blocked up, so forgive me if I do sniff or cough or something like that. I'll, I'll try not to do it onto the microphone, but um, now that I'm starting to talk... It's just starting to come to the forefront. My wife's been telling me I've not been speaking all week because during the, the evenings it makes me go into a coughing fit and, or I get short of breath if I talk too much. So I've been kind of quiet and somber during the week, feeling sorry for myself. It's kind of um, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, but I've I've been off the um, I haven't been drinking all week. Uh, because I've been crook and I've started, I got on a course of antibiotics and shit like that as well. And just I wanted to try and clear my head and break the cycle of just drinking casually and drinking a little bit too much. I thought waking up feeling crappy on the weekends and stuff and being a bit slow off the mark. Like I'm not a big drinker. I don't go out and have big sessions, but just drinking enough to make me slow in the mornings and not want to get out of bed and, and just feeling a bit hazy overall. So I thought I'll take this time now. I'm crook to kind of break the cycle and and uh, like 
re-look at the relationship I'm having with alcohol at the moment. So it really just wants to be for me a casual thing, have a couple of beers like over, over a barbecue with mates and shit like that, or a few beers while I'm out you know, fishing or, or something like that. A beer, I don't mind having a beer at night while I'm, while I'm cooking and stuff, but just felt like it's going, swinging the pendulum, swinging too far the other way a little bit. So I'm just having an, a week off the piss at the moment. And I'm pretty embarrassed to say, man, it's like this week hasn't been hard because I've been crook. But this is the longest I've been off the, off the piss in like 10 years, probably. Probably maybe longer, maybe 15 years. Since in that 10 years ago, I probably would have had days and weeks where I didn't drink for four or five days at a time. I was probably just smoking or something. Um, bit of weed, but and I didn't drink during the weeks and just on the weekends probably. But you know, the last ten years, man, I've I've had beers pretty much every single night. A um, couple of beers while I cook dinner, maybe even just one beer. But I've, I've drunk nearly every single night, and having a break would be two or three days without having a drink. So that's, I was thinking about it during the week, and I was like, that's pretty embarrassing. So definitely going to push through this week again. Having a barbecue next Saturday night, so I might have a couple of beers on the. Well, I will. I'll have a couple of beers on the Saturday night, and then that'll be it again for the weekend. I won't drink. I won't drink that week. Through that week again, and then same thing. It'll be uh, Northwest Fest on the Saturday. I'll have a few beers that afternoon before I go down, and then I won't drink on the Sunday. So I'll go. I'll go sober again to the to the um, sundowner on Sunday, and just push through the rest of the month. And just yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not setting a date on it, so it's not like a dry month or a dry August or anything like that. I'm just really cutting it back. I'm not gonna drink. So all this week, all the, the last, all last week, I'll only drink on Saturday, and then and I'll get off the, the beers again because I'm just yeah. I gotta I gotta change something, mate, and try and start feeling a bit better again. Um, speaking of feeling better, Ems, my 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 missus went to the Heady Cup yesterday, so it was the races, the big Headland Cup. Uh, which is like the, the culmination of the racing season for the, uh, for the year up in here in Headland. They've got like a, they'll have a Heady Cup, there's like a Roeburn Cup, Marble Bar Cup, Broom Cup. So a lot of the rural towns around here all have their own cup at different times during the season. And uh, it's a pretty big day. So everyone sort of gets dressed up and goes down there. I stayed at home with the kids. Like I said, daughter's sick. I wasn't really, I'm a bit crook as well. I wasn't keen on going and spending double the money just she goes you know it's a little bit cheaper for her so but she's struggling a little bit this morning I got up at sort of five o'clock started getting ready for the gym I wanted to be at the door by 5 30 or something but I think it was 6 30 by the time I left because I mercifully hung around and made her a coffee and cooked the kids some some breakfast and shit like that and let her kind of get her feet under her before I bailed out so she's struggling a bit she wasn't she didn't come home like blind or anything but you know, she left at, I dropped her off at sort of 10, 10.30 in the morning, and she got home at like 9.30, 10 last night, so like 11 hour session, no matter what way you look at it, even if you're pacing yourself, you're drinking all day, you're out in the sun, you're on your feet, heels, talking, all that kind of shit, so, and mind you, I've got to say, I wasn't there, but she she looked gorgeous, I, I, every time we go out and that woman puts time into to getting ready, it's hard when you got the kids, she's always one of the most gorgeous women in the room I've got to say that mate and I'm, I'm sure that was the case yesterday I've got a photo up on my podcast page on the Average Man um, Instagram page and probably on the Facebook page too linked of her before she went out and I'm just got to say she looked absolutely gorgeous so um, but she probably not so much today <laughs> um, as I said I've just had a quiet weekend sick daughter sick me uh, week off the piss uh, and yeah I feel a little bit even though I've been crook 
so it was kind of like annoying. I'm like, oh, this is the longest I haven't drunk for in 10 years and I don't really feel good because <laughs> I'm fe feeling sick. But the last couple of days, it's just starting to, the tide's just starting to turn, even though I'm sort of snotty and stuffed up in the head. My body's feeling good. My throat's sort of feeling good. I'm not coughing up my lungs all day long. And I feel a little bit like, um, like a haze is lifting. Which is one of those things you don't realise that haze is there until you until you stop. Same as if you've been if you've been smoking uh, weed for a little bit long or whatever, you, you you cut that out, and after a week or two, you kind of a haze that kind of little see-through blanket that's been sitting over the top of you starts to lift up, and you see things a bit more clearer and brighter. And you go, oh man, I think I've been drinking too much. I'm feeling um, a bit more alive now. Colours are a bit more brighter. So that's that's a good thing that's starting to I'm starting to feel just the last day or two. Hopefully that extrapolates during the week and I can start feeling even better so hopefully be firing I'll get kicked the last of this bronchitis um, bullshit this week and then hopefully be firing on all cylinders next weekend man waking up like I used to healthy and motivated on a weekend bang kicking the beds off me first thing in the morning on a Saturday getting out getting amongst my little projects I've got going around the house whatever it is hanging out with the kids Sundays, I like to get up and go for a run in the morning, start my day right, but that has not been happening the last few months, so hopefully I can be back on that trip by next um, next weekend. Um, what else I've been doing? Hanging out with the kids, building the cubby house for them, and it's just a little, little knock-together cubby house I'm making out of recycled like, pallets from around town. A bunch of, I've made like a little mud kitchen for them from pallets, I made a monster truck uh, outdoor monster truck arena for, for Shady with like um, some leftover flooring from, from work and some and some pallets and shit and now doing this um, little cubby house for them so I'm going to knock that on the head today and then um, the kids and, and M's can start painting it up and shit and it's real hard for me to to, um, to like not be a perfectionist when I'm making these things like I only ever get an hour or th two here and there to, to do things on the weekend I've got kids running underneath my feet and I've got the rest of the you know, chores to do over the weekend clean up the yard the house you know, I've got to help out with the kids so Ems can do her chores inside and shit and I only ever find myself with like an hour or two where I can work and there's normally kids involved running around as well so I just don't have the time to take my time and make everything perfect and neat like I like to and it's like man it's an outdoor kids cubby house made from recycled pallets you just got to chuck it together and not be so like pedantic about it in particular. That's really hard for me to do. Like I'm, I wouldn't let anybody look at it right now. I'm, you know, not until all the trim goes on, I can cover up all the horrible work underneath there. But it, everyone else who's going to look at it, I'm sure, will say, "Oh, that was great. How'd you make that?" But it's a piece of shit. It's slapped together, literally slapped together. The pallet I got hold of yesterday was just horrible. Half of it had termite damage in it, and it was all warped and twisted. I'm gonna have to screw everything together to pull it all straight driving me insane but I'm going to push through knock it together once I get the trim on it the little decking down and stuff it's going to look mint the kids can paint it up with, with M's it will look great but yeah don't come around my house and start looking at it now before it's finished nosing around my dodgy work bloody embarrassing mate uh, got the cubby house going what else have we done this weekend um, so I think I said last Friday I was taking Shady into Taekwondo in the morning to check it out he went and checked it out uh, looked like like, it looked like it was the right sort of um, skill and attention level for him. There's a few kids that were kind of doing their own thing, running around in circles, not concentrating and, and shit like that, flaking in and out. So, excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> so I thought I could... Um, I thought I could... Um, yeah, I thought he's, he's the right age group and, and concentration level and everything to get in there. So we went down Saturday morning, 
uh, registered him, booked him in. They only had a size four shirt. He's he's four years old, but no, sorry, they had a size six shirt. He's four years old, but he still wears size like two and three. He's a little fella. So the shirt was like a dress on him. Gave that back. Um, he jumped in, and he was really good, man. I was really stoked. Like his detention wavered in and out a little bit. I had to follow him around the obstacle course, like it's it's ninja tots they call it. So they kind of do obstacle courses, a little bit of kicking here and there. It's mainly just about getting their confidence up and and learning how to, to sort of work into a system, I suppose. Learning how to learn, being around other kids, learning to listen to the instructors. And um, he was really good, man. I followed him around. He wanted to know I was there for, for about three quarters of the lesson. I had to kind of be within ear, ear like uh, within eyesight of him. And you know, close enough to give him little high fives as he, as he completed tasks and stuff. And then he kind of got into it a bit more at the end, and I stepped back, and he just was immersed in it. And it was so cool to watch him, man. And I think it's definitely something that's going to be good for him, confidence-wise, learning-wise, attention span-wise, all that kind of shit. And hopefully, I can take a step back further and further each week until I'm just a, another parent on the sideline, just watching him, um, just going for it, mate. Just learning, just learning something. Um, starting his journey, his first sport, so I'm pretty happy about it, eh? It was pretty cool. Mum and Heidi come down and watched him as well. He got a little ninja certificate of, of strongness, so um, that was cool. They're um, a good little club down there, mate. They seem like they're really good with the kids, and um, yeah, I'm happy that he's involved in something. Uh, last weekend we also did, so that was the Saturday morning, then we had a, a busy day that doing bits and pieces around the house and um, trying to get kids to sleep, which was a no-go. And then had the Spin FX Carnival on the Saturday night. I think I, I spoke about that last week on the on the podcast also. I had a two-day Spin FX Carnival here last weekend. So we cruised down there, didn't get down till like 7.30 at night. That was a really good setup, man. We cruised around, got a couple of show bags for the kids, just some little cheap ones. Still half of them are sitting in the cupboard at home. I'm just doling the, the lollies out in like dribs and drabs so I don't get my, you know, not like a sugar junkie kids running around the house just little treats here and there the show bag and the crew cruise around and just bought a weaved bag there and shit uh, looked at some of the caravans got to the, the the ride section it must have been peak time of the evening because Saturday was when the, the fireworks were and the fireworks were at about 8.30 we were there kind of 7, 7.30ish so when we walked through that the, the section where the rides were I, I swear it was narrower than the other sections of the carnival and just chockers man everyone all the kids everyone was in there it was kind of stressing me out I'm not not really good in those big crowded situations like that especially as I get older I like my space I like uh, sort of smaller groups like four or five people to, you know one on one like that kind of that's my 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 um comfort zone I suppose so I was there there's people everywhere man kids running around bumping in everyone I was like oh this is hectic Pushed through it, chilled out, got some kids, kids some ice cream, watched the fireworks, and then it thinned out, yeah, markedly after that. So sort of after the fireworks, most of the people with the kids, I suppose, started to drop off and cruise out, and we pushed on and stayed there till, I don't know, 9.30, something like that. Went on a few rides with the kids. The, we were there with another couple, that um, Jezza and Jess, they had their kids there who were um, same age as ours, pretty much, and a and, uh, boy and a girl, same age as my boy and girl, and uh, the, the little boys are like best mates, little knock-around lads. Uh, they, were, they went on a couple of rides with, with, their older, with um, the older brother as well, which is, which is Taj, so they went on a couple of rides together, and that was cool, man. Had a good night, got everyone home. Everyone, Heidi slept in the, in the pram the whole time, which is unheard of. 
little girl never sleeps in a pram. She always wants to be held or run around running amok, always too interested in what's going on. But she was obviously smashed, fell asleep in the pram, so we kind of just had the one to, to wrangle and deal with while we were there. And um, worked out good. Great night, man. And I think that Spinifex Carnival was down in uh, Caratha this weekend, what uh, one of the lads from work was telling me. They call it something else down there, and it's apparently bigger and better as everything is in Caratha. <clears throat> Could you hear the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hear the sarcasm in my voice there, but um, yeah, it's Stanley Crafter, bigger and better this weekend, so, and I'm, I guess they just, I don't know what they do from here, they kick on, keep going down the, the coast to some other rural towns, I suppose, but that was cool, man, good for the family, good for the kids, there was a lot on last weekend, we also went to, um, on the Saturday evening before we went out for dinner, had a date night, we went to like a little art, arts exhibition down the road, that was cool, there was... Um, I have, I'm yet to ask Brad from PCC Productions, but there was a, a dude there, I can't remember his name, but his last name was Holder also, who had a, a, an art exhibition on. I'm wondering if they're brothers, because he's a local uh, kid, born and bred here in Headland, and he looks looks of the same ilk as Brad from PCC, so I'm, I'm wondering if that's him as well. A talented, artsy kind of family would make sense. But yeah, there was a few other, um, yeah, a couple of artists who had, who had some work on exhibition down there. Cruise down, dollar donation for red wine. Um, check that out. I think during the day, when was it? Might have been during the Saturday. Ems went down to a uh, like a little pop-up festival stall thing. They had some other arts and crafts type of um, things going on. She got some photos taken. Um, with with Heidi, with our daughter, um, professional photos from uh, Four Oceans Photography, and this this girl Four Ocean, from Four Oceans Photography, um, I think we only Ems only found out last week that her name's Bobby Lockyer. She's an artist as well, and I think she she sells her work you know right around the world, makes a living on it, and does photography also. Did some great photos, and and I'm pretty sure she's. Um, the one who's been doing a lot of the uh, artwork around around town. So there's heaps of artwork going on around town at the moment. It's just kind of this. I suppose this time of year, and I never realised this before when I lived here. Maybe I was in a different zone, different people doing different kind of shit. But there's heaps of stuff to do. You know, like on the weekends, family orientated stuff. If you're into, like I said, arts and music and shit like that, you can get out. There's just stuff going on all the time, man. Uh, there's been. As I said, Bobby Lockyer, she's been doing this artwork around town and painting up silos and, and some little buildings and shit like that, just really inserting, like she's an, an Aboriginal artist, inserting her own style of, of um, Aboriginal artwork onto some of the um, like icons and, and, and things around town, and just really like good splash of colour. As you drive down the road, there's a couple of silos just after the Pretty Pool turn-off that just, that just jump out at you, man. There's this great artwork on them really strong bold colors I come another building in town on Anderson Street she was painting up the other week so it's just yeah it's cool to drive around and see that shit popping up man here in the red desert and, and it's sort of um I suppose every few years they, they might they must do this because there's a photo that uh, my best friend Eli uh, old mate Eli um, Eli Shogun King. If you want to check him out on Facebook, he's a weird dude. He puts up weird shit on there all the time. He's kind of got his, uh, his own artistic flair as well. Loves his music and his arts and shit. Go check out his Facebook page. He's got some funny stuff on there. And he's uh, he got hold of me last week and said, "Look, dude, you, you need to. Um, he goes, I want you to, to help you up, up um, sort of beef up your your profile pic and your your um, 
cover photo for your Facebook page and shit like that. And I said, you know, well, this is a local a photo of a local creek I took here. And he kind of just ignored that and, and goes, yeah, I'm going to make something for you. Sent me through a picture. And I think he just Googled it off the internet. But it's it's um, some artwork done on a, another building, like a little shed or something on Anderson Street. So as you, as you look at the artwork, the backdrop is BHP, Nelson Point there. There's a bunch of machinery. It's like a and it's an iconic uh, street art piece done by a street artist named Flem. So I think I, I looked it up on the net. It was it was um, done in 2014 by street artist Flem, which is kind of um, ironic for me at the moment because it feels like Flem's living in my bloody sinuses. But um, he's a UK street artist from yeah, Sheffield, UK, and he was over here in 2014. Did this piece up with one of his like weird sort of characters, you know, those street artists like Stormy, Stormzy, and and a couple of other. Um, there's another dude down in Perth does a lot of street artwork, and they kind of have their own flair, their own characters that they put along these different bus stops and and little iconic sort of buildings around town and shit like that. And this dude's got one of his characters. Um, working like a reclaimer machine or something on the uh, on the on the piece he's put up, and then Eli's just sort of superimposed the average man podcast uh, um, title onto the edge of the on the edge of the piece, and it just looks perfect, mate. It looks like it's supposed to be there, and I thought that I'm using that as a cover photo. I better I better shout out to to Flem and say that that's the street artist. Who, who did that uh, artwork sort of four years ago, and Eli's just hijacked it and thrown my my sign up on there. So, um, and I'm using it as the cover photo. So I'm not trying to steal someone else's work, mate. I'll shout out to him, but I thought it was a cool little picture he put up there, and I thought I'd definitely um, I'll use it, and I'll just shout out to the dude. And um, yeah, it should be all good. But it looks great, man. It looks like it's, people messaging me going, "Hey, man, where's that street art? Is that is that for real? It looks like it's they've uh, actually done that." And I said, "I know. It just looks perfect the way he's, he's he's put it on there. It's the same style and everything as the artwork." So, go onto my Facebook page and check out the um, the cover photo on the back if you want to know what I'm talking about. It looks cool. And and props, shout out to to Eli for that, mate. Thanks very much. He also got stuck into me about my well, not stuck into me. Just said to me, "Oh, you need to change your your profile pic." He goes. I think you can do better than that. Um, shoot me through uh, a good picture of yourself, and I'll do a bit of you know work on it. Chuck your logo on there, and, and you can use that as a profile picture as well. Um, easier said than done. I started flicking through my uh, photos on Facebook, uh, not on Facebook, just on, on my my phone um, through my photo library from like going back to 2013 or something like that. So the last five years worth of photos, and I realised there is. No good photos of me on my own. Everything's got a, a cat in it, or a dog, or my wife, or kids, or you know, there's just there's, there's no photos of me, man. I just I suppose I don't take a lot of selfies. I don't get someone to take action so- shots of me very much. It's not. It's just yeah. My Instagram page is full of other people, me with other people, my kids. You know, like cool landscapes and backdrops and shit like that. So I thought, oh man, I, I don't actually have anything to send you. So I. Just, sort of knocked together something I was just working outside with the kids and I thought oh, I'll get a couple of photos for him and send something through and he can he can choose one and doll it up for me and put that as a profile pic so that's that's up on my Facebook and Instagram page now as well change the old the old Facebook backdrop from just a selfie I took in Bali earlier in the year and um, well, while I'm on that talking about social media I guess it's like it ties into um, 
it ties into my opinion on, on a lot of social media and Instagram pages and shit like that. Like, I, I love Instagram. I use it all the time. I'm on there every day checking out photos and, and, and people's pages and little videos and stuff. But I feel there's a couple, uh, two distinct different ways of, of using Instagram. Three, I suppose. There's, there's promoting your business and what your business does and photos and shit, things like that. And then there's... Um, just taking selfies of yourself in different flattering positions and poses that can come off as really obnoxious and self-centered, I suppose. And for me, in my opinion, and then there's um, like some really inspirational, motivational Instagram pages. And I'm and I'm not talking about just what I like to call quote whores. Like people's pages are just full of quotes, just. To picture of them or some random picture off the internet and a quote and next one's the same, the same, the same. It's just like holy shit man, like this is a page just full of quotes you get off the internet. Like that doesn't do it for me man. Even though some of those quotes are great and they've got good meaning, there's no context behind them. It's just a bunch of quotes. Like great, I can just Google that man. Like what's your page doing? What what, what are we doing here? So I, I call that quote whoring and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about following people who are doing shit in life and have got a positive outlook and put up little videos that get you pumped for the day or their own quote that's something they've thought out and they're trying to convey to you a bit of advice or a way they like to look at something you know or a different way to approach a situation or you know um uh, motivation to put the hard work in to get somewhere to, to get a result that you're looking for. I follow people like The Rock, one of the most motivational Instagram pages going around, man. The guy's absolutely just crushing it. And I mean, he's not a normal man, he's The Rock, but he's got a way of relating to, to normal people because he's very humble and polite and caring and, and all that kind of thing. The Rock's got a great page. I follow Joe Rogan's page, just the way he's always positive and working and out there doing things and. Um, that's that's inspirational to me. I got a couple of weird dudes I follow, like um, shout out to Shane Reed, who just um, who sent me a couple of uh, a couple of recommendations for Facebook pages the other day. I got onto one of those I'm really enjoying, which was Gary V, who's a weird little sort of uh, entrepreneur dude. He seems quite crazy and erratic, and he's just I think that's just his personality. But he's got a great page full of inspiration and his own weird look outlook on on, on things. Uh, who else am I f- following on there that pumps me up? I mean, Will Smith's got a great page. And they're, not, and they're not all just famous people. I'm just saying, I suppose, saying famous people because they're the ones that you you would know you'd be able to look up and relate to yourself. I follow just other people who are friends of mine or got small businesses and things like that Just who just pump me up. I look at their page and I think, yeah, that's awesome, man. That makes me want to do something. That makes me feel good. It makes me feel motivated. Uh, um for me that's what I love I love about Instagram and and my presence on social media I try to make just about um, I like taking a good photo of might be my family or my kids or something we're doing or uh, you know just down the beach or camping or the water or what whatever it is man you just see things in life and you think oh, that looks cool I want to take a good photo of that and make a good representation of it and chuck it up there I also like to put little motivational things when I can and um, I, I suppose for me, that's what my my social media presence is more about: just positive inspiration, motivation, putting up cool photos, cool pictures, just seeing cool shit. You know, uh, I got I follow friends who live up in Broome who are always out fishing and camping and doing cool shit. You know, like this. Just 
I, I love watching that shit. I love looking at that shit. And that's, and that's what it is. That's what social media is for me. Um, and trying to just show an, an honest representation of my life, of the good parts of my life. You know, I don't got to put photos up of all the shit things that happen throughout life. But, you know, I've got my own set of problems in life just like everybody else. And I, and I think it's about being honest with your... With, with your face, with your social media, because there seems to be this massive problem going on that everyone, you know, we, we all know the saying, keeping up with the Joneses. And this day and age with social media, man, like it's never been more evident. People uh, are just flooded with what everybody else is doing in life. And in, should I should I stipulate what everybody else wants to see them doing in life? Everyone puts up their 15 second clip of the best part of their day, this this video or this picture or whatever it is that makes their life look awesome. You don't see the rest of everyone else's day. Some people do it deliberately. Some people do it. Um, they don't think about it. It's just sort of uh, it's just sort of um, byproduct of of getting excited about things and putting up putting them up on there or, or, or subconsciously you're doing it. You know we all. We all are probably guilty of it a little bit. So for me, I just try and be show an honest representation of the, the positive side of my life. And I feel like I've got a good balance now with this podcast because I can come out here and speak openly and talk about just my life, the normal things, about being crook, about feeling like I've been drinking a little bit too much lately. My motivation levels aren't exactly where I want them to be. Things like that, which is an honest representation of a person and the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of a lifestyle, not just me posting pictures of how awesome you know my life is because it's just not true representation of life man so I feel people get caught up in that and then you see other people getting really anxious and and depressed and stuck on sitting on Facebook and social media all day and looking at what everyone else is doing and their life's so much better than mine and I'm sitting here doing shit you don't know what that other person's doing man you're just seeing what they want you to see and I think that as consumers of this kind of data we need to be um, like conscious of that and if you're a conscious person, you should. I don't want to tell people what to do. Uh, if you're a conscious person, I feel it's like it's a good, a good way. It's a good responsibility to take on to try and, and put that an honest representation of your life out you, as well. Yeah, so it's good to. You don't want to put all your uh, dirty laundry out at in the world, but maybe just try and be more uh, moderated and, and honest in, in what we put out. I suppose that's that's what that's what I feel anyway. Um, and that's kind of why it's a hard one because I suppose Facebook gets both sides of the spectrum. You know, you get a lot of people whinging and moaning on Facebook and it just draws, just pushes people away. You do get people putting all their positive things up there, but you also get people putting just, you know, we all know that person you've had to unfollow or unfriend them because it's just constant negativity and it's draining, man. So that's not really what I'm talking about. I suppose I'm just talking about everybody involved, people watching, people posting, people, you know, consuming. Just like Facebook and Instagram, social media isn't real life. It's just what we want people to see. It's just a small part of our lives that get put out there. So and and, and it's like I go I guess that's another reason I don't I'm not really following Facebook much these days. I'm on there for the Average Man podcast page. I'm on there for Marketplace, um, but I'm not sort of just on there flat out. It's just I don't know. It didn't feel like it was going anywhere with me from for me anymore. I didn't feel that um, I was getting anything out of it anymore. But um, I don't know really where I'm going with that. I just wanted to. Yeah, it just led me down that rabbit hole thinking about the photos I've got in my phone and 
and then looking at some of the Instagram photos and pages and then hearing other people talk about what they see on online and what goes on and it just makes me think that man some people if you're in a bit of a rough time or especially if you're young you're at school and things like that it might be a real struggle for people to try and navigate through that social media life especially if you grew up in it you didn't come into it as an adult like a lot of us did so yeah it's it's just, it's, it's not real life, it's, it's just a representation, it's only what people want you to see. I probably harped on about that too much there, got lost in my own words, but uh, I just wanted to go over that briefly while I was thinking about it. And while I'm talking about Marketplace on Facebook, uh, um, I just want to say if anybody knows of a cargo barrier for Prados, hit me up man, because we just sold the... the um, patrol the other week and got rid of the cargo barrier I thought oh yeah I'll be able to get one of those around for you know 100 bucks 150 bucks try 600 dollars for a cargo barrier for the back of the Prado anywhere I look man I'm like geez it's just something to keep the dogs from jumping over on the back seat seems outlandish so that's what I'm uh, what I'm searching for on marketplace at the moment and yeah like I, do, I do that I do the average man podcast and that's about it that's all I'm kind of doing on there right now um, and it feels good. It feels good not to be on Facebook all the time, man. We've got enough bullshit going on on our phones at the moment with all the other forums and mediums and social media and shit like that. So it feels good to be kind of feel free of, of one of them. And, and um, yeah, Instagram doesn't take up that much of my time. I'm not talking to people on there. I'm just looking at photos and videos and, and kind of scrolling down and, and then kicking on. Um, I guess... Well, I was talking. When I'm talking about the so- social media and motivation and positivity and all that, I, I just wanted to brush over what I love about um, what I love about podcasts and audiobooks, and that's for me is like a if I'm using inst- Instagram for motivation and positivity and things like that as well. It's just one piece of the puzzle. I'm, I'm trying to draw that from from everywhere in life. Like you're always trying to find actual people in life positive uplifting, motivated people to be around. And that can be hard sometimes, especially if you're limited with, um, you know, where you're working, how many people you work with, what kind of work you're doing, what town you live in. You know, if you've got kids, you're not out socialising all the time, you may be limited to other people you're hanging out with in that same sort of age range with the children and that kind of thing. It can be hard to find the right kind of people uh, in your life. We live in a small town here, man, so it's not just abundant with um, different people everywhere it's, it's it, there's enough of there's enough people around but it's more restricted obviously than living in a big city so for me I get a lot of positivity and 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 positive influence and motivation things from podcasts and and um, and audiobooks which is why I love podcasts so much in in the first place which is why I wanted to start my own I really wanted to help myself grow um, and maybe I think I said in the first episode or two, so if people are starting tuning in, listening now, and you haven't really heard what I went in, what, what, why I started this in the first place, it, what I wanted to do was um, I really wanted to put out something that's motivational and positive and inspirational and gets people talking and thinking. I want it to be entertaining and funny as well. Um, and I wanted to base it around a community so I can be involved in local events, live music and sporting events and things like that. Talk about current local events around town that I find interesting and I find important. Um, hopefully touch on subjects that get people talking, get people interested. 
and just start those discussions that I think are important. Uh, we've, we've had a couple of them, you know, about smoking in workplaces, about legalisation of cannabis and things like that. I suppose about social media and and um, and the, what we portray online today as well. And in that, it's not because I think I know anything more than anybody else. It's because it's just a way of opening up a dialogue, mate. I think about these things every day during my life, and I don't just. You know, you don't sit at work and talk about that shit. We're blokes. We don't. We just don't. We we talk about work. We talk about you know fishing, camping, and a couple of things here and there. You might have a beer with a mate every now and then. You touch on some of the deeper subjects of life. But I've got little kids. I'm not out drinking big beers with, with with people all the time, mate. So I feel if I'm in a situation where my interaction and my opportunity to have those kind of conversations is limited, then probably. I'd say there's probably lots of other people out there who are in the same boat and hopefully they can listen to this podcast and they can get something from these conversations and think, hey man, other people are thinking about the same kind of shit as me. If there's something that they're thinking about specifically they want to hear talk, you know, uh, spoken about and brought up and discussed, they can get get hold of me on the Facebook page and, and, and or Messenger and drop some notes, which a few of my mates have done so far and I've brought those things up on the podcast. So I just feel like it's this big extended open conversation yeah sure I'm the one doing all the talking and and um, in, the, in the driver's seat but the narration really is is um, I want to talk about things that everyone's interested in I want to talk to you about things that I'm passionate about things that I love but I want to open up discussions about things that maybe I don't know much about things that I've got an opinion on but that opinion's open to be swayed or changed or influenced by other people then getting a hold of me later and maybe in person or messenger or on, Insta, or on my Facebook uh, Average Man podcast page however it is I just want to start conversations I want to be positive and I want to help that positivity to then reflect back on me in my own life and help me grow and help me get more motivated and help me get more momentum behind me you know so that's what I love about podcasts. That's why I'm doing this for myself. It's also a creative outlet for me. You know, I'm not doing. Uh, I was doing my hip hop like a few years back, writing songs, you know, and trying to produce my own little tracks with the help of Eli and shit. But that's very, very time-consuming behind the scenes, getting, um, getting the work to then put out. I don't have that time right now with these kids. So this for me is an outlet, man, and something I can just think about things during the week, jot things down as I go. I jump in. Uh, into my space, whether it's the car or in the studio in Wedgefield, whatever it is, spend an hour getting my notes and thoughts together on paper, and then I can just jump onto onto the, the, the microphone and, and just start spitting and just start getting these thoughts out. And as you hear me fumbling and bumbling around, it's because I'm trying to uh, write things loosely on the page, but I'm trying to gather these thoughts um, and put them in a coherent package to then put out into the world as I'm going, you know, and it feels good, it's therapeutic to me, it feels good to have conversations and have other people come back to me and I feel that they're opening up to me about the kind of things I'm talking about or something else that they're interested about because they know that that dialogue's then been opened and that's why I love podcasts, mate, I, lo- I love it and, and um, I'm really enjoying doing it and it feels like a really good creative outlet for me, it's like when I, when I get done doing one of these, I've got energy for the rest of the day, you know. It's, it's the same as going to the gym, getting out energies and frustrations and things like that. Physically, during a workout, this one really helps clear the rest of the space in my mind because I'm not just compartmentalizing bits of information and thoughts and, and, and opinions and just stashing them away somewhere or, and they're not getting out. I'm getting them out, exercising them. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe I'm messing shit up. Maybe I'm stumbling over my words. Whatever. I'm, I'm getting these these thoughts out and, and exercising that part of my brain, and it feels good, man. It feels really good. Um, so while I'm on that, I want to recommend a few podcasts that I listen to that might then send you down another uh, rabbit hole that you can follow 
some of these, listen to them, might, and you might find some of your own while you're at it, and uh, it might expand your repertoire of podcast listening for yourselves. And on that note, same thing with my with my Facebook page, which is the best place to leave any comments or messenger directly if you're one of my mates. Um, you got any recommendations for good podcasts and audiobooks for me? Definitely drop me a line on there and let me know, and I'll, I'll check them out. I love new content. I love knowing what else is uh, you know reaching other people, man. So for me, my top podcasts got to listen to pretty much every episode as uh, or, or as many as I as I can. Uh, is the Joe Rogan Experience? Dude's just well read, well thought, open minded. Gets on such an array of different guests from sports psychologists and uh, neuroscientists to authors of books to comedians sometimes political agenda type characters just all sorts of people on there man just with wealth of knowledge he's, he's good at retaining knowledge so he can have a good back and forth with the people when they come on and um, I just I love the it's it's a really alternative style of thinking and communicating and it's what got me into podcasts in the first place and um, I think it's probably the biggest, if not one of the top three biggest podcasts in the world. Something like a billion listens per year. I think he's getting, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's over 100 million listens per month, downloads per month. So it's huge, man. It's huge. Um, the Joe Rogan Experience, Below the Belt, which is pretty specific to my interests. That's a guy who's an ex-UFC heavyweight. Uh, he's a podcaster, another podcast called The Fighter and the Kid, which is another one I love. It's an entertainment-based podcast, but Below the Belt is him doing uh, basically uh, breakdowns of your view of MMA and, and boxing and combat sports and shit like that in general. Fighter and the Kid, which is, as I just mentioned, the guy from Below the Belt, Brendan Shaw, and another guy, comedian, two of them teamed up and they've got this it's just funny mate they're sometimes they got good guests on there sometimes it's motivational and positive sometimes they're just silly it's just they're just they're just goose like just goosing around man and it's just funny it's just entertainment I like that it's a good light hearted one I don't have to listen to all those I just listen to one here and there and it, you know makes me laugh makes me sometimes think about things whatever um, Tim Ferriss is one I've just started listening to I've been hearing him, his name around for a while uh, and the podcast he interviews people I think, I think exclusively interviews people, people as uh, um, high, highly sought after and recognised as like uh, Tony Robbins, um, other authors, just people who are doing cool shit in life. Man, he interviews them. He's got a, he's really sounds like a real clean cut wholesome American boy is his way of speaking and thinking and everything but he's an author in his own right I think and just he's a good interviewer he gets people to open up and it's a good uh, I think it's an hour and hour, hour and a half kind of medium long form um, podcast interview scenario that's really good been enjoying that lately uh, Radio Lab's always good heavily heavily overproduced which is kind of annoys me but they've got some great stories on there they're kind of um, like scientific journalists they get great stories uh, from the science community and they basically investigate and look into those stories and relay it back to, to the listener. That's a really great podcast. A lot of people would know that one already. And one of my all-time favourites is Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. He's a, a journalist as well, uh, not a historian, but he's obsessed with history. He's a great storyteller and, and he just he gets, he, he'll latch onto a subject. It might be the fall of the Roman Empire, might be the wrath of the 
the, the Khans, Genghis Khan and his, uh, uh, um, what's the word? <laughs> I've got out of mind, I had mind blank, and his, anyway, the generations that followed him, the word will come to me in a minute. Um, yeah, what has he done? World War One. He's just done done one on the the Japanese and their presence in in World War. Two. Oh, well, that was World War One as well. Yeah, just a great history podcast. If you like history, the way the guy relays the details and the facts and the story, and, and he's got this really uh, good storytelling uh, quality about him. That's an awesome podcast, mate. It's and they're quite long. Sometimes they're two or three part series that they're quite long but that's, that's a great podcast mate they're my favourite uh, at the moment that's what I'm kicking around uh, excuse me one second sorry sorry about that I was trying not to do that for as long as I could it's just the sinuses are really backing up on me as I'm talking man um, and as far as audio books some of the best ones I've, I've got a lot out of would be Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership. This dude is an ex-Navy SEAL uh, commander. So, look, just extremely disciplined, hard-working guy with a wealth of uh, battle experience and the way he lives his life is really impressive. And uh, this Extreme Ownership is just a great... Like they Basically, they, do, they deal with CEOs and uh, management systems of, of large companies and stuff over in the US. Him, another ex-Navy SEAL partner of his... So it's lessons for business and how to um, organise your life and and chain of command type scenarios. Um, just basically, yeah, how to own everything you do um, and, and, and the discipline that goes with that and the way these guys operate because they obviously operate on an extremely high level. So Jocko Willink's Extreme Ownership. Uh, recently listened to Michael Poland's How to Change Your Mind, which is a fascinating, fascinating book by... Um, a respected journalist on psych- the use of psychedelics for medicinal uses to do with um, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, alleviation of the anxiety around death for um, terminally ill cancer patients and, and things like that. So they use psilocybin and LSD and it goes right through the history of psychedelics from the, in the Western world from the 50s when they first discovered LSD and uh, started using psilocybin mushroom around the same time also. And he goes right into depth on, on uh, the story behind it, the truth behind why things were out, um, like were made illegal on, and not just made illegal, but made illegal for med- medicinal and scientific research as well, which is crazy. And the scaremongering and the tactics and the bad press that's gone into uh, this behind that whole scene and then he goes right into the science of what happens in your body in your mind what they're using it for in medicinal trials over in the US right now uh, things are changing that's MDMA psilocybin mushroom which is magic mushrooms uh, LSD and then he goes to a few other less known uh, psychedelics like DMT and uh, peyote which is yeah the root of the cactus in Mexico that's a great book. Go check that out if you're, if you're interested in it at all, if you've got a bias against it. Whatever it is, go listen to the book. Guy knows what he's talking about. Like, as I said, very respected journalist and great book. A lot of information in there. It'll really, really open up your mind and um, give you a lot of information and insight into what's going on in that field. Graham Hancock. 
and if you listen to an American say it, they'll call him Graham, which just drives me insane, man. I don't know why the Yanks have to destroy words so badly. Graham, there's a H in the middle. How do you call a man Graham when there's a, there's a H in the middle? And the same with, with uh, Craig. They say the word Craig, Craig. You ever heard him say Craigslist? How the fuck are you going to say Craigslist? It's an AI. AI. The word, the letters AI make the A sound. It's not Craig. It's not Graham. It's not Tara. It's, ah, all right. Fucking Americans and their fucking pronunciation. I can let a lot of them go, but there's certain ones that's just, it's not, that's not what the word is. The word's Graham Hancock. Sorry about that. The word's Graham Hancock. The name's Graham Hancock. It's got several books out. This book in particular I'm I'm, uh, listening to right now, it's long. It's long. There's a lot of information in there, a lot of speculation, a lot of science, a lot of shit going on. So it's not a light read. It's not a light listen. Is magicians of the gods? This dude is proponent for a proponent for the theory that uh, there's been civilizations before our civilization and before uh, history as we know it. Which there's a lot of information. Uh, there's a lot of uh, scientific and geo- geo- geological uh, proof popping up for in the last 10, 20 years, 15, 20 years. So basically previously we thought the oldest civilization on earth was the Egyptians and then like the Aztecs and the Mayans over in South America. They had the Sphinx dated back at about 5,000 years ago. Just a quick rundown. What's happening to challenge those thoughts is that Geologists are looking at the water precipitation uh, markings on the Sphinx, which dated back to a time sort of 10,000 years ago, another sort of five or 6,000 years earlier than previously thought when it was heavy rainforest and, and um, uh, heavy precipitation. In on along the the Nile throughout Egypt and those areas, there's not been heavy rainy periods enough to to um, mark the Sphinx like that in the last five thousand years. That was thought to be bollocks, and then they uncovered a, a lost civilization um, outside of Turkey called Gobleki Tepe. Gobleki Tepe. Gobleki Tepe is. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe is the civilization that is of huge monoliths of the same sort of, um, on the same scale as the pyramids in Egypt, but lots more of them, the same detail to, to construction and things, that was buried 9,600 years ago. Buried 9,600 years ago. Not built, that's when it was buried. So it was around for thousands of years before that. And it goes back to this, it's tied in with this younger, driest period in history. I'm going into this too deep already. Basically, sorry, basically, the theory is there was a comet that hit the Earth, completely changed the um, climatic systems of the, the world at the time, causing a little ice age called the younger, driest period. And that changed the whole landscape of the world as we know it. Oceans melted, um, islands and land and land masses were lost. Civilizations were lost and destroyed. Certain people from those civilizations survived and spread out to places like um, to South America, Malaysia, 
Egypt and then taught the people, the hunter-gatherers of those areas, what they knew about construction and, and civilization, and then sort of their knowledge lived on in a, in a few of these other ancient civilizations that we still have evidence of today. So basically, the history of humankind as we know it is far, far older than we originally believed. Um, and there's just evidence of this popping up all over the place in the last sort of 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And his book, Magicians of the God is all, Gods, is all about that. I'm sorry if I went too deep into the specifics of that right then. Uh, I'm a bit excited by it. And I'm just trying to piece the story together for you a little bit. Check it out, man. Or you can just check out his podcasts on the Joe Rogan Experience. He's been on there three or four times. And he gives you a fairly good outlay of what the what the book, you know, the book covers on those podcasts. Um, another book, Emma Gannon wrote the multi-hyphen method multi-hyphen method which is basically about um, millennials and the way they're working in a different uh, uh, greatly different um, setup and strategy in the workforce this day with these days day and age with people having lots of different projects people working from home people doing part-time this part-time that having three or four careers and occupations they they um, operate simultaneously and just about how we can navigate those waters and, and move forward into our lives and not have to just work the one nine to five job for 50 years and retiring and getting a gold watch and, and whatever the bullshit uh old narrative has been for the last hundred or so years. Basically, things are changing. We haven't always worked in jobs this way. It's only since the Industrial Revolution did we start working like this. And now, in, as I've spoke about in previous, uh, previous podcasts, the, the technological age, the technological revolution that we're currently in, things are changing. The way we, we approach work and our life is going to change as well. So that book's all about that and how to navigate those, those waters. Really enjoyed that, and as I mentioned last week on the podcast, Scott Pape's Barefoot Investor. Check that out, mate. If you want to get your finances in order or you just want more information on how to, uh, to deal with your finances and investing and things like that, check out the Barefoot Investor. Great book. Very simple and easy to follow. Let me have a quick check of the time. I mean, feel like I've been rambling on um, quite extensively here, and I have been. Um, I'm just going to... What I'm going to have to do, this this podcast is going to go over the hour, I've just realised, so I'm going to have to um, stop the recording, save it, and then come back in with my um, last couple of segments I've got to go on here, and I'll stitch the two together, it'll end up being an hour to an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. So, peace out for one second, there'll be a bit of a disruption in the um, in the, in the podcast as you listen to it, because I haven't done this before, so yeah, just bear with me. Righto, I'm back on. I probably could have done that far more seamlessly if I was prepared for it and just stopped the recording and pressed play again and kept going straight on through. And you may not have really noticed, but hey man, like I said, I haven't done it before. I haven't gone over the hour. So I'm back, I'm back. And I've got a couple more things to say before I get out of here and leave you guys alone. Um, I've got a music review and it's a band review again. So I've done like a couple of band reviews like uh, Lowrider. I did The Offspring the other day. And this one is also a blast from the past. This is the Red Hot Chili Peppers, man. I've got to talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've been um, smashing them lately at home, putting on like um, putting on different film clips and live performances and shit like that on the TV for the kids. And pretty happy to see that they're loving them. My little boy's been running around on the couch, 
dancing and telling me he wants to, I want a loud one, I want a loud one. So I can't let any of their like, quieter, softer songs play. I've just got to keep the upbeat ones going. But it's cool to see my kids getting into that while they're eating their dinner and shit like that. Um, and my specifically the album I want to address is Californication from 1999. This is my number one album of all time. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I did the Offspring uh, review about my rotation of top five albums. This is number one for me. Uh, there used to be a battle between this and the Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem, but as I get a little bit older, my vibes change a bit. This is this is just edged its way in as solidified number one. My favourite album of all time, man. It's got to do with the time of life I was listening to it, which was year 12, you know, graduation from year 12. We were listening to this, all the parties that we had, all the fun we were having, carefree. Life was just your oyster. There's no responsibility, mate. Partying, running amok, listening to this, singing it. That it, and Josh's, um, a mate of mine had a like a recording studio, or well, they called it a music room, but you could record in it. It, it was had a, all the recording equipment at the back of his house, his mansion in Malalu, his parents' house. We used to go down there and play music, jam. Like I'd play the drums. We'd have. I went to school with some fucking awesome musicians. We'd jam out. They were into heavy metal, unfortunately, but that was okay. I'd hang with them, and we'd jam out like things like Chili Peppers as well. And um, just got awesome memories of it, mate. But the album on its own is stands up without those memories attached to it. It's just a brilliant bloody album, man. Um, well, I don't need to go through the song list or anything. I think everyone who knows anything about music knows this album. And for me, what stands out about it is uh, this is the return of John Frusciante. So I'm not sure how much anyone knows about the Chili Peppers on the... the um, the details behind them, but frontman Anthony Kiedis is a very charismatic, uh, original sort of frontman vocalist, sort of got this hip-hop, funk type of style to him, he's learnt to sing as the band's progressed, you know, and, and um, but, but just on, on their own, what I've, what I've noticed with the albums that are my favourite uh, is that there's a mastermind behind... So they're all talented musicians on their own. We've got Anthony Kiedis, who's a great frontman. You've got Flea on the bass. Everyone knows Flea. He's just this crazy dude. Like He's one of those rock legends. Just does his thing consistently. Awesome bass lines. I think he's got a pretty strong connection to Australia. He's got a house here. Everyone loves Free, Flea. Great, ba- race ba- great bass player. Chad Dunders, who's the drummer. who's just a brilliant drummer. Looks exactly like Will Ferrell. Like a... Google it, have a look at Will Ferrell and Chad, drummer from Chili Peppers. They look like brothers, and they've even done a drum off on, like, I can't remember what show it was, one of the TV shows, like a talk shows. Um, looks exactly like Will Ferrell. <laughs> They're definitely brothers. That's uh, He's awesome, mate. They're a great band on their own. They make good music. But to be one of the best bands of all time, you need a mastermind. And that mastermind for the Red Hot Chili Peppers is John Frusciante. He's the lead guitarist on and off he's been the lead guitarist for three albums just so happened to be in public opinion and definitely in my opinion their three best albums the first album where they really blew up was Blood Sugar Sex Magic which has got Under the Bridge on it and you know a bunch of other awesome tracks that was John Frusciante's first album with the band uh, he left the band after that because of this, the growing success they were having and it wasn't what he was in music for. He didn't want to be in this huge rock band, you know, like on the front cover of all the magazines and on, you know, MTV and doing all that kind of shit. That wasn't what he wanted to be involved in. 
so we left the band. They did another couple of albums in between, one, maybe two albums in between. And then they got him back, talked him, to, talked him into coming back, and um, and been involved in the band, writing the music, a lot of the music for Californication, which is the biggest album, their biggest album to date. And as I said, my favourite album of all time. Phenomenal album, phenomenal guitar lines. Just something different about it. It's just, it's not just a good bunch of musicians playing together. There's magic. There's magic in those guitar lines, in those riffs, the solos that he does. The solo at the end of Scar Tissue. If you watch the film clip for that, and they're driving like down through the desert of Las Vegas in a Cadillac convertible, and he's sitting on the back just playing his guitar. The solo, man, it's just fucking awesome. Just. The is incredible, and then he they kept him on board for one more album, which was By the Way, which he had a huge part in writing the music for. Another, uh, that's my second favorite album. There's another huge album from the band. Just such weird, different riffs and takes, and, and the way that the songs are put together. It's a, it's, it's that's what happens when you get a mastermind into a band full of talented and charismatic musicians, and you just get absolute magic happen, mate. So that's John Frusciante carrying the Red Hot Chili Peppers to their highest heights of success and then dipping out again once that album was finished. And, you know, they've done some good music, some good albums since then. But again, it's just, they're just, eh, they're good albums. I'll listen to them. I like the songs. They're not fucking phenomenal genre and, and um, uh, yeah, genre-defining albums for, for, um, for the band. So... Shout out to that album, man. Californication. So stoked my kids are listening to it. I've been pumping that album again lately. I basically, when I start playing it, I get on this, this vibe where I'm playing the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I'll just play it everywhere I go for, for weeks until until Ems tells me, stop playing it, Chili Peppers. I'm sick of it. And I go, okay, I better start getting obsessed with something else for another few weeks. So that's, um, well, that's the music review for the week. And while I'm at it, uh, I've got some YouTube recommendations. If you like going down the rabbit hole on YouTube and you're a little bit dry or you want a new um, a new pathway, a new rabbit hole to take, um, here's a few recommendations for you to check out. Um, I've been going down, I always go down the Like A Version YouTube on a, a rabbit hole on a Friday evening or something like that. Uh, all the Like A Versions for, for Triple J are, are up on, um, uh, are up on, uh, on YouTube. And my recommendations to start with and follow down the rabbit hole would be Meg Mac's cover of Bridges. Her and her sister sing in harmony like just two freaking angels on that track. And I absolutely love it. Um, AB Original cover uh, Dumb Things by Paul Kelly. And there seemed to be this uh, formula that hip-hop artists were using for a while where they take really quintessential classic rock song especially a classic rock uh, Australian rock songs Australian hip hop artists and just using the chorus and then rapping their own verses over it and it automatically makes the sound, song sound great because it's a, a quintessential classic rock song and it became a little bit predictable and a bit weak but what AB Original have done is they've got Paul Kelly in studio with them Playing his playing the chorus, playing his little harmonica solos and shit. I've also got Dan Sultan, the indigenous guitar phenom, playing the, the guitar in the background, and it's just fucking just a beast of a like a version, man. Check that one out. They really put their own spin on that that formula and um, owned it. And again, and all, of all of all people, Guy Sebastian played. This must have been two or three years ago. He did as he came in as a guest for a guy Paces, and they did a cover. I can't remember the name of the band they covered right now, but if you just type Guy Sebastian like a version, it pops up. And I was like, um, 
was kind of hating on him when this first popped up. I was like, guy's Sebastian, what the fuck's he doing on Triple J, man? Didn't really know much about him. All I knew was that he wrote pop songs and he was on the, uh, it was the first Australian Idol. Well, it turns out the more you look into it, he's actually a producer in his own right, writes music and lyrics and things for, for some, a bunch of hip-hop artists in Australia and America. He, uh, he's, as I said, he's a producer. And hip and pop songs is just how he makes his, his, his bread and butter, mate. He's actually a really talented artist. And if you check out the Locker version, as you all know, he can sing, but... Man, he absolutely kills on it. Boy, has a set of pipes on it. So that blew me away. That changed my perspective of Guy Sebastian and made me a fan. Saw him on Play School the other day, too. Getting around a joint. And, um, yeah, get on check that one out, mate. If you don't like him, I reckon you'll, it'll change your, your opinion of him. And if you do like him, well, you're going to love it anyway. And uh, moving away from like versions, check out John Butler Trio Oceans. It's a studio version recording he did of it which is just fucking phenomenal. It's like a 12-minute guitar solo song where he plays like three different parts of the... of the. So he basically he's playing rhythm, bass, he does percussion. There's even times where he's playing... It's like an 11-string guitar. He's playing on the riff and then playing with, you know, with his strumming hand as, or picking hand as well. And he plays like rhythm, he plays bass. There's another, some parts he's playing what would be considered to be the... the the vocal part of the song as well and then does percussion like all on one guitar man like the one guy playing like three or four different parts for a song at once it's fucking phenomenal I uh, I would encourage you to to go down the rabbit hole check that one out and just let yourself drift away man I like to have a little smoke a little puff and sit back and watch that one and just, just get zoned into the fingers and the the finger picking and the strumming and just the crazy ride he takes you on for 12 minutes man and last but not least this is left field I checked out um, I was just YouTubing the other week and went down the rabbit hole on um, sorry I've thrashed that term out but yeah I went down the rabbit hole on um, Queen and I found this live uh, I think I might have heard someone recommend it and I went and checked it out but found this live act from Queen in like 1981 or something like that it was like at a live aid it was at Wembley Stadium in the UK and it's in the middle of the day man and what I was so impressed about was I was looking at all these different rock artists from the 80s and late 70s and things like that Guns N' Roses and a bunch of other artists and the way everything's about production and you know stage production and lighting and like the theatrics and the drama and the big hair and all this kind of crap and you know the music's good too but this is of an afternoon on a show that's not a Queen show, it's a collaboration of different artists for a charity event or whatever, and he's just playing like the 4pm slot or something, he, sorry, they, Queen, I say he because Freddie Mercury steals the show, he's there in a friggin' singlet, some sneakers and some tight jeans, he looks like he's about to go for a jog, and he just, there's no lighting, there's none of that, he just steals the show, engages the crowd, his performance is spot on, his vocals are just incredible, and uh, how someone can just come on to a, a show like that, a collaboration, in the middle of the day, and just steal the friggin' show, man, it just shows you what a phenomenal, phenomenal band and, and phenomenal artist he in particular he was. So that's me, that's my YouTube recommendations for the week, go check them out, get onto my Facebook page, anything that you want to leave, uh, feedback um, any discussions you want to have any any ideas for discussions you'd like me to bring up on the podcast uh, go there leave me some some input or message me or messenger or whatever it is yeah check out the, the Instagram page go check out Shaft and Spear Fishing page give them a follow and a like and yeah I appreciate everybody's time appreciate you listening um, yeah man I, 
got nothing else to say. I had a really, I feel really good about this. Great, um, great session. I've gone over. 13 minutes over. So there we go. Popped my cherry doing the over the, the, the over an hour long podcast and I gotta get better at making it flow next time. So cheers guys, that's me, Average Man Podcast, episode nine, Californication, over and out.